welcome to the session, a basketball podcast. I'm your co-host Ben. I'm joined by Omar. Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Where have yeah, you been, man? I have been. In Why have you neglected nice. this podcast for yeah, so long? Yeah, it's been it's been a while. It's honestly because I just didn't want to talk to you or like hang out with you anymore. Your but New Year's resolution lasted a whole 26 days, <laughs> and then he's just like, okay, I need to record with this guy. I went to Iceland, man. Yeah, I went to Iceland. It was beautiful. It was I had like no idea. Most, yeah, I had I, absolutely did, no idea. Did my Instagram post not tell you exactly where? No, it was. I had I had absolutely no idea. I posted about three. Thought it was Brampton or something. I posted about three hundred and eighty-six <laughs> stories, just uh, with the location tag and everything, so I know exactly, you know, like where I was. And I didn't ask, but okay. Um, you know what? I'll catch up with you about Iceland later yes, because we, do have, we have a duty to introduce our next guest. All right, you want to take this one? All right. At 76 years old. <laughs> so these two gentlemen that we're going to be introducing because we have two guests for this episode. It's a special one. We're starting 2020 off right, baby. Yeah. These are these two older gentlemen that we have been slandering on this podcast for a whole 12 episodes. And they're now here to set the record straight. So I'd like to introduce my older brother, Ali, and Benyasin's older brother, Ben. What up, guys? Long time in the making. What's going on? What's going uh, on? It's been a long time coming, waiting to uh, enter this podcast. You yeah. all can refer to me as Senior Hefe for the Se- rest of the podcast. Senior Hefe. Yeah, you know what? Let's get everyone's voices down. So, Ali, go ahead. Say your name. Tell us how old you are. 76. You know, go for it. How many broken knees you how have? How many broken and, knees? Uh, yeah. Get everyone's voices on record. So, my name is Ali. I'm by far the best basketball player in Omar's <laughs> friends group and my friend group. Um, it's not a very large group. Yeah, it's it, you know it's, it's me all encompassing. It's um, just the three. You know, world record for number of dunks on Benyasin, mm. blocks on Benyasin. Taught Omar everything he knows about not to shoot a basketball. Um, <laughs> you know, really the the guiding influence for everything Omar's done in his life. All right, we'll get we'll get to all that. We'll get to all that. All right, Ben, go for it. Um, Benjamin Siddiqui, Ben for short. Um, same ways, uh, older brother, friends with Ali. Always saw these two as kids, hearing all their uh, kid-like opinions and came here sole purpose to uh, set the record straight. You know, just on the topic of setting the record straight, before the podcast, Ali came in downstairs. He came in and then the first thing he said was, I don't know anything, but I'm here to talk some shit. (laughs) And honestly, I think that's the most beautiful. It's poetic even. Like the way he, how old head he is and how old head my brother is. You know what I mean? Because they know the numbers, but they don't know the game. Yeah. And we're that's ta- why that's why we're here, because we got to set the record straight on a lot of things. You know what it's like, right? You know, when you're when you're cooking, they tell you, you can follow a recipe, you can, you know, measure things out, or you can do it by feel, because you just know things, right? That's what it is. <laughs> intuition, but, baby. But, but the food never turns out good when you do it. It never, right? yeah. It's or just, you intuition, intuition is a, it's missing a lot of things. Food Details. is art. Food is art. We're artists. You guys are uh, lab rats. So, lab rats. so you guys grew up around like the. Uh, would you guys call yourselves '90s kids? Are you guys '90s kids? Like, did you remember things of the '90s or more so like the early 2000s? Yeah, I remember the '90s. Yeah, yeah. You know, being born early '90s, you you actually remember the '90s. Unlike you guys, you know, you're, you're born like '90 what seven? '96. We're '96, and we remember the '90s. We've always been '96. Twenty days to '97, so <laughs> let's you know you can't claim '96. No, we remember. But I remember the '90s. Like, tell us, tell us about that. Like, tell us about the '90s and like lifestyle. Then how different how different it's been till now. Like, what did you guys do growing up? Like, how was being a child in the '90s? 
Okay, so there's some cliche stuff, right? One of the basic things is I remember life before the internet. Mm, like literally, yeah. Like, How does that work, bro? There was a thing called the internet that like my dad just brought into the house, mm. and he was like, you know, you dial up, and it'll take two three minutes to connect, and don't do it when we're on the phone. I remember downloading my first MP3 song off well, LimeWire or Napster, one of these. What was it? 50 Cent in a club. 50 Cent in... I left middle school, like first day of middle school, I heard this song. I was like, yo, this song's sick. And then I waited three hours for this thing to download. It's like a three megabyte file. And I was sitting there listening to this. Right? I was just like, yo, jamming out to my tinny music. But I remember those type of days, man. Life before the internet, you had to go to the library to like pull out books and research. So that's Speaking. why like... That's why, like, you know, our opinions are hard earned. Like, I felt like I laid this foundation down for my opinions. I didn't just Google it. Like, you get guys. a load of these cavemen over here. Yeah. So speaking on that, just another anecdote. I remember when I got my first MP3 player, it had a feature where you could uh, record songs off the radio. The oh. radio was my source <laughs> oh of my new God. music. Ew. And it, I would so listen cool. to a song and the DJ would shout out, DJ, you know, Khaled. Scratch or no, DJ Khaled was not a thing. <laughs> and my MP3 song that I would play would have like random Toronto news references. <laughs> and that was the track that I would hold on to. That that was that was life. It you was know, a- you're a huge part of like the disgusting music that I listen to right now because <laughs> you I think you put on uh you put me on 50 Cent. My first rap song that I ever heard in my entire life. Was in the club. I think same the club thing. Exact <laughs> same, same thing. thing you, I feel right? like I feel like these two guys. Like, they, they just, just listen to in the club. I remember coming upstairs one day, and this man had Windows Media Player open because that's how he listened to music. He had it full screened with the with the background art that would change on its own. You know, it just he's just looking at yeah, this no. blue screen. So I was just looking at Windows Media Player and he's just jamming. I'm like, what are you listening to? He's like, oh, here. He turns up his speakers, uh, these two bricks on the side. Oh, you have to you turn the knob, right? Crank turn, that knob, yeah, crank yeah, that yeah. knob. And he's like, this is uh, this is some uh, new music, you know, 50 Cent in the club. I'm like, damn. And then ever since then, my, you're right, my music taste has been ruined yeah, because I, of this. Yeah. I've only been listening to like... It's just been rap music since then, right? And and Benyamin doesn't like any music unless the DJ's shouting himself out. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, Windows Media Player also had this uh, visualization tool. Oh my so if God. you really wanted to have a nice party, you would have the Windows Media Player full screen with the latest visualizations and, and we would all just stare at that screen. Okay. I'll, I'll hear in the back of it, DJ Scratch. <laughs> 680 News. <laughs> the, four, the 401 Westbound has a nice <laughs> But music has changed a lot since then, right? Like from from the like you guys grew up in the golden era of hip hop, right? Like the like nineties hip hop and like even early two thousands to a certain extent. Like, how have you seen music evolve since then until now? So the biggest thing for me has been music's evolved, but I haven't. So I'm still there, like bumping, you know, my Kanye, my game, my old Eminem, right? Documentary game. I know we're going to get to some of the new Eminem album, right? But as soon as that came out, I I one listen through and I immediately went back to old Eminem. And I was just like, okay, this I'm, I'm, I'm back to what my what I know. But, you know, that golden era was like, for me, such classics. And maybe it's just nostalgia, like growing up, you know, like I think you guys were talking about it in a previous episode. Music brings you back and teleports you back to a time in your life. You can distinctly remember memories. So for me, it's always like that. And it was 
it was crazy just like how popular it was in school growing up, how every single person like knew all these songs and the sounds were pretty similar, right? Like there was a entire theme that you can apply to 2000s music, really. Whereas now it's like it's such a fusion of different styles and different artists mm. and not everyone is in the know with everyone else. But when we we're growing up, it's like you couldn't find someone that didn't know 50 Cent g-unit eminem whatever like everyone listened to it it's like an oversaturation there's like so many artists now right and they're all kind of doing the similar i feel like listening to early 2000s and 90s hip-hop because i was like 13 years old listening to eze you guys remember that (laughs) um it just seemed like there was so much more originality back then whereas now it's kind of like the similar hardest artists just being rehashed with the same flows and all that i think a part of that is uh the mainstream dollars that are coming into the music industry i think this is super, uh, gen- from a high-level overview, I think artists back then had a lot more freedom to operate creativity. Uh, now everything's analytics-driven, everything's statistics. Uh, one song may have 20, 30 stakeholders, influencers, who are telling them, this is the target audience. This is how you're going to make money. It's all spelled out. Uh, back then, it was the mind of an artist and that's what we're listening to that's how i experienced music uh it was uh it was listening to an album on repeat because there's nothing else so you really deep dive into a specific artist whereas now it's so so uh so much out there that it's overwhelming uh for us so so let me ask you this because right now when you listen to a song something comes out and there's a lot going on, like Ali said, where you might not understand who this artist is, what city they come from, the background, the slang they're using and stuff. You can go on Rap Genius and you can learn everything you need to know to properly understand that song as it was meant to be understood, often by the artists themselves. They they themselves annotate the lyrics. But back then, because I'm speaking from personal experience, I was listening to the documentary and I had that in a CD player that I'd that I'd like plug in. And I just like you said, there's nothing else to listen to. So I listened to it once. and I'm like, all right, time to go back again, listen to the same song again. And I didn't understand what it was. It sounded nice, but I didn't understand the references. I mean, a lot of it was like really drug filled and violence filled and stuff like that. And I didn't understand what any of this meant. I go back now and I'm I still like the song, but now I understand it. But how did you connect with the music then? if you like didn't even know who this guy was or where they came from and things like that, like that information wasn't that accessible. To me, it was, so one, I'm going to talk a little bit about what Ben said and, yeah. then, and then jump into this, right? Part of like music today is so driven by analytics is also just the streaming culture. Mm-hmm. It's seven minute long songs don't get streamed. Mm-hmm. You need to be like two to three minutes long. It needs to be catchy, catchy in the hook. first 30 seconds, whatever. So all this, right? Whereas those other songs was like, it wasn't so much that I didn't like understand them because I didn't. I didn't understand a lot of the references that Game was talking about. Some words that like I hear now in being used, I'm like, oh, I remember that from a rap song. And like, that's what he meant about it. But it was more so like that immersion, right? It was just like the fact that this is like what I had to listen to. I only had this one CD or this one and I kept listening to it. And it was just to me at that point, it was really catchy. It just it gave me a a persona to aspire towards that I myself knew I would never have. Mm. Right. So it's like this gangster. I'm like, this is just a, a mythological, mythological persona that like I can, you know, be like, and I'm immersed myself into, and I just keep listening to it. And it was also, like I said, just everyone was listening to it. So it's almost like you'd get left out if you weren't a part of it. So you almost mm-hmm. forced yeah. yourself to just be a part of it. Whereas now it's like, there's, 
you know, 200 million songs or something that you can have access to and stream. So you can be your own individual that way. I was about to add to Ali's point exactly what he said the last point, which was we all listen to the same music. Uh, the music influenced our clothing styles. The music influenced our um, uh, this, the music that we listen to when we go out in the radio. That same song was everywhere. Um, and if, at the schoolyard, if you didn't know Eminem's Lose Yourself by Heart, you are not in the... You're worthless. You're, yeah. you're worthless. You're worthless. <laughs> Honestly, on that, uh, just to jump in, I feel like it's kind of flipped now where it's more cool if you can find an artist that only you know and you you're, you become hipster really culture. hipster with that. The hipster yeah. culture, exactly, where it's like, oh, this is my thing. And, I, and people hate it when their personal artist like blows up and it's super mainstream now. And it's cool to hate on what everyone else likes. And I remember Ali said something so funny. It's just like... You know, like the persona, right? Yeah. You really take on to the persona of like gangster rap music. So when you were wearing a tablecloth for a t-shirt, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't forget that. I remember both of you guys, the way that you guys dress with basketball jerseys, Yo, Gilbert Arenas, bro, like XXXL, and we're both 5'7". Like, had a Tracy, Ali had a Tracy McGrady jersey. Bro, that was like double or triple XL. I remember our parents were in shock. They were just like, why is it? Why are you dressing like this? And, and he couldn't even say you'll grow into it because it's a triple XL Tommy Hilfiger t-shirt. That t-shirt, if Ali still had it, I think it's long gone, but it would still reach his knees right now. And he's like 6'2". So clearly, like, fashion was so different then. Like, that was, but, like, that was a yeah. part of fitting in, right? Like, yeah. you had to wear things that were not fit for you to fit in. Right? Like, That's it was exactly. huge clothing, man. What were you guys doing? What were you guys thinking yeah. with that Honestly, stuff? Honestly, it, it's kind of almost what Omar said. This is the whole, like, counterculture thing now where it's, like, it's cool to be unique. Right. Yeah. You know, like there's certain norms of like more fitted clothing and whatnot. But, you know, you look at some of the the K-pop artists bringing back really loose fitting clothing. Yeah. And, and then there's a whole spectrum, like one of our friends, Asad, right? You know, mm -hmm. He's very like fashion forward thinking like that. And he's dressing in different ways. But it's always cool. But if he did that shit, like when we were growing up. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. oh no, you get roasted. You have to be wearing the double XL, the loose jeans, whatever. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, mom wouldn't let me like completely low ride my pants and do anything. Right. <laughs> oh, so, low riding. yeah. Oh, so God. like, you know, I was halfway in between, like I still got roasted as a kid. Cause it's like, Oh, you're not fully there yet. You know, you're not fully dressing the culture. Bro. If you're wearing triple XL Tommy Hilfiger, I don't know how you're low riding. <laughs> I don't know how your jeans, where, how low your jeans went. Ankles. Ankles. <laughs> Just to show the back pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like another factor is uh look at the artists that you all listen to uh they emulate today's fashion right the artists that we listen to that's how they dress that's how our call it role models we looked up to in certain ways that's yeah. how we emulated uh the big biggest transition is probably Lil Wayne uh in the early uh Carter 3 Carter 2 days he was that triple XL a uh, guide to transitioning to a skateboard skater tight skinny uh, jeans and so fashion evolves yeah. and our artists evolved and as a result we're evolving too but. i wanted to ask you guys about the huge transition of uh of kanye west i think the pink polo was a huge thing oh, yeah. in the early 2000s like Rabbit i wanted to get boy. your guys yeah i wanted to get your guys yeah. Like perspective on that, like from wearing triple XL Tommy Hilfiger to pink polos, fitting yeah. pink polos. Because I remember my brother used to rock pink polos. He was in middle school, I think, 
or like in high school. I forgot exactly what it was, but I, around that time, you yeah. started doing that. You you, you started <laughs> going think, from you know the, the disgusting creature from middle school <laughs> to like a somewhat you know good looking decent you know decent guy. So like yeah. How how did that go? I want to look back on your Kanye West uh, album ratings again, and jeez, uh, <laughs> jeez, jeez. Oh, but um, uh, yeah, I think there was like a solid half a decade where I think I only owned polos. Uh, that was it. I remember that. Uh, yeah, no, there's huge influence there from Kanye. Uh, it transitioned from gangster. Uh, I signified as like gangster rap. People who are coming from a, a um, unequal position to artists that are in a more middle class region. They have now money to spend. They flex it. There's cloud chasing happening to now it's all individualism. Yeah. And some of the, you know, the bigger differences between kind of the our generation growing up and yours was. You know, I, I know Binyamin got into like online gaming and the whole kind of like online friends culture more, right? But I, but he was a big part of this too, where we'd actually physically go out all the time and like play ball or hang out with friends outside losers. or do all this stuff. Yeah. And you guys were complete losers. Like I remember Omar never went out, right? So I, I, no, I'd, I'd only I, go out to play basketball with you, <laughs> and then and then you would block the ball so hard every time because you had like a one and a half foot on me i'd go up for a layup you'd block it down to the end of the road then you'd make me run and get the ball walk it back and then you'd block me again and it builds character like look at you now i'm proud of you right (laughs) but it was this thing of like you didn't just see your friends and the people that influenced how you should be or what you aspire to be at school only you know for the few periods and that you had with them it's like i saw them after school every day for hours i saw them on weekends i saw them all the time so it's like i was just it was almost like, and you know, maybe it was just I wasn't, you know, strong enough to be my own person in that way. But it was just this culture of like you kind of kind of blend in and always seeing each other and always blending in. But now it's kind of like, you know, with this ability to have almost like an online life, you can be whatever you want. And then when you come out in person, you can like, you know, be accepted for that. It's, it's very different. Right. And to me, like because I never got into that, I never got into the whole online community, online gaming and all that. I always saw like my life was aspiring to be like the people that are around me all and the time. and just an extension on that like beyond just you yourself being part of the online community a big thing now is just being part of a community that you're not directly within almost like if you have a favorite youtuber you watch all their videos you watch all their twitch streams and stuff and that person doesn't know you exist but all of a sudden you you and all these other people that are huge fans of this person are part of this community you watch them play video games you watch them do all these things and they're your friend even though they don't know who you are but to you they're they're your friend and stuff like that and i mean like I don't know about you guys, but like we like Call of Duty gaming videos, man. Do you remember how many we used to watch? Like only use me blade, like C Niners, Hutch and all these people. And like we would watch all of their videos and we'd feel like we were a part of it and they didn't know who we were. But like that was fun for us. That was maybe part of the reason why we didn't go outside to play because we were like the new video. I'm going to go watch this. I know kind of like as you summarize that, I felt like such a loser. Oh, just the way that you, I'm, I'm just sitting just, there. like I, I I feel kind of embar- because it's true everything you said is true yeah but at the same time I was like yeah like uh we wanted to we were pretending like we were there with them yeah they don't know we exist and we didn't go outside for that very reason like all that put together just kind of put me in a day Bro, so like let's move on from the, that. the they were called let's play series <laughs> the, the videos were literally called like let's play episode 23 but i wasn't playing i was watching them play let me ask so, you guys a question though um xbox ps2 
because I think that's more so you guys, right? Would you guys agree with that? Xbox, yeah. PS, like that, like that generation of consoles. I think so. I think uh, the Nintendo aspect of it. So I, I grew up Super Nintendo, uh, Nintendo sixty four. Then I transitioned to an Xbox. In between there, I had some handheld games. The Game Boy. Yeah. No, there was a something before the Color. It was a Game Boy. Oh, damn. And it was Game Boy Color. Then it was Game Boy Advance. I was advanced. That was me. I was, I was Game Boy Color. Oh, I damn. thought that was the first one. Yeah, I that was, was the hand-me-down for when I got the Advance. You got the Color. <laughs> I always get the hand-me-downs. <laughs> Pretty much. So then my path was Xbox. Uh, and from Xbox, went to PlayStation 3. From PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4. And now I got the Nintendo Switch. So for me, I'm Team Xbox. Solely because uh, broke kid Xbox had that uh, online play, which was uh, fascinating. Yeah, so. yeah. And then obviously for us, it's like you see the original Xbox is still there. So between PS2 and Xbox generation, it was the Xbox, but it was really PS3. That was kind of like for me peak gaming time, yeah, and yeah. I, I was never a gamer to begin with, but. PS3 was kind of like when I played the most video games and that really kind of defined video gaming for me so that I naturally went to PS4 and then now, you know, it's, it's funny like now that you can afford whatever video games you want and any video game system, I just have games sitting there that I'm not playing for years. Um, but that was kind of for me and I, I never really got into this Nintendo culture and I think Omar brought this in on a previous podcast, but like because we never played Smash growing up, Every time I go to a party and people are playing Smash now, how do you like, jump, Ali? I'm I'm just like, how do you <laughs> jump, Ali? How do I jump? Like, what do I do? I don't know how to play. Why is this so confusing? What and do I, I do? Oh, my, I and then s- and then I get PTSD to middle school where I'm not fitting in, and like every, <laughs> everyone else is playing Smash, and I'm like, shit, I gotta be playing Smash. Like, but that experience, like um, playing with your buddies or like playing after class and all that. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. You know oh, what I mean? Bro. Like, now it's completely online. And, and it's completely just like, hey, when are you going to be online? Rather than come over to my bro, house and, and let's play. Biggest so, thing. So, right? like, what yeah. do you... You guys have seen it all. Like, you guys yeah. have seen both sides. Like, what do you guys prefer? So, like, what was more... So, jumping back, or going back, actually, uh, the online community, even even when we played online. So, I, I did a bit of online gaming in the PlayStation 3 and Don't be the, humble, Kamikaze. We know it. Yeah, we right. know it. We you, know were, it. You, were, you were you were top, top 10, ten in top the ten, world. Top 10. Top 10 top in the shit. world. But uh, what I'm saying is, at that time, uh, video games, even when we played online, it was the same people. Where, who I got matched with, I almost, it was the scope of like an NBA team where it's, I, I know this player. I knew this player. I think PlayStation 3 it was a much smaller online community because the vast majority was offline co-op play. That was what everyone did. Online was still a, a developmental thing, uh, depending on it, people's internet connections. It wasn't as global. You can't get matched to South Korea. Mm-hmm. The lag time was unbelievable. So it was still localized, even though it's a global online um, uh, architecture. Um, whereas now, I go online and... It's every match is new people, so you don't you feel like a number online. You you don't have that individual reputation. I guess you Twitch or stream now. Yeah. So my preference was always going to be nostalgic in the sense of offline play. You you know who you're playing against. You develop rivalries. You um, strategize against a certain person's play style. It was more competitive in that nature. Whereas now it's 
you're getting land dropped into an island and every player is different and you have no idea uh, how to combat that. You can't strategize effectively anymore. Yeah, the, the epitome of this for me, I was like never an online gamer. And part of it was what Ben said, like just at the phase in my life where I could have played the most online gaming, we just didn't have good internet connection. Mm-hmm. So it was just like never a thing that I did. So, you know, that's, that's again, old head take. But just playing... <laughs> In person, like, you know, I, the best memories were our, like, family friend parties, like, where we all got Death together Jam. and played. And it was just that aspect of, like, you know, sitting next to someone, knowing them, and then roasting them when they messed oh, up, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> that, like, you you guys know who I am, right? Like, I will just roast the crap out of you, like, anyone. Don't, I don't we care. know it. Yeah. Don't we know so, it. So, I'm just, I'm just an in-person bully. But that's that offline gaming gave me that and the epitome of this was gta 5 right gta 5 has a huge online community absolutely massive i've just all these new missions high stories maps and i'm just sitting there in omar's bedroom playing my offline version loading it up going on rage kills in my offline story using the same characters the same guns everything and i i I find so much joy in that i love it you can still be a bully online though yeah question quick question on the topic of gta 5 what endings did you all pick? C. It's not even an option. Save, save everyone, right? Yeah, save yeah? everyone. Save everyone. What did you do? You killed Trevor. Killed Trevor. Oh my god! Scum. Trevor's the greatest character in the entire Scum. game. Undeserving so of life. Oh, come of on. course, I, you would. I couldn't say no to any of them because you've played as Trevor. It's not even like Trevor is an NPC. You have been Trevor. The level of NPCs he's killed. He's ki- he's destroyed the GTA city. He's a villain. He needs to be stopped. And they had to kill him. That's also a fundamental thing. It's funny, but like between Omar and I, and I don't know if it's a generational thing or if I'm just sadistic like this, but like, you know, games like Mass Effect where you get to choose to be good or bad, I am so bad. far in the bad. bad yeah. Like, oh, I, I will go a, out of my way to kill people, but I know Omar thing. and Yaman are different. I, we yeah. can't live with These ourselves. These guys are so weird. Listen, you want to be evil. You want to no. be the worst scum on every, no, but, every single but video game. Bro, we can't live with ourselves if we do I, When I play a character, I imagine I am the yes. character. Yes, look at these yes. nerds, man. This is me. Loser. What no, would listen, I do in this situation? I, do the exa- I would say. No, I do the exact same thing, and that's why I'm so evil. <laughs> I, I do the exact same thing, but nothing's changed with For that. me, it's like, yo, I'm such a, like, just goody two-shoe nerd in real life. Like, I'm just going to do the right thing always. I feel bad. So I'm like, yo, this is my outlet to just... Just be terrible. Yeah, if, like if, Red Dead Redemption, bro, I kill everyone. I find random mans on horses walking down. <laughs> oh I kill God. them, They're hide their body. Random peasants. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I moved on to observing my brother playing video <laughs> games. Um, back then, he used to watch me play. So I gave him Fallout 3. Like, all right, here's, here's a great game. Let's see how you play it. And with no remorse, no even second hesitation, he blew up, uh, what was the nuke? Megaton. Megaton. A whole city just blown up, and there was no remorse. There was no drinking water after. There was no pacing. It was, yep. It was just so I was like getting robotic. Moving. And to be honest, the explosion was beautiful. Just looking at oh, it. Was criminal. Really nice. I remember going so back. I remember going into Fallout 3. And then I remember just going back just to see my destruction. And then Moira Brown comes out of nowhere. I'm like, I thought I killed you. How are you still here? I don't want to talk to you anymore. Why are you? I tried shooting her, but she's an unkillable character, apparently. So. <laughs> I hate those, I hate those, I hate those ones. Man. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God. Horrible. I remember the few times Ali, like, I don't think he ever played Skyrim Elder Scrolls that much, but he would either play on my 
profile, he'd just be like, no, 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 don't save, let me have it. Or maybe you progressed a little bit in the story. This man would just go on entire killing sprees, entire cities. He would kill every single person. And then at the end, he'd be like, okay, what do I do now? Like in case he's <laughs> saved over his thing. He, he did, there'd just be entire cities that he can't go to because he's wanted there. Because he's like, oh, can't do anything in White Run, you know? It's, it's That's it for me. He'd try, it'd reach a point where he'd try paying the guards and they just wouldn't take his payment anywhere. They'd be like, no, you are too heinous of a criminal. We won't arrest you. We're going to kill that's you. That's exactly like right now. I was just playing Red Dead Redemption last week and it's the same thing there's entire counties that like my bounty's too high i can't even pay it so i just if, well, it's I, a lifestyle but that's sometimes just a flex i'm okay i'm wanted there okay let me go there you want you, you want me i'm here what's up <laughs> so clearly it's, it's funny just like you know growing up same households but just different in how we very approach different, different things right yeah. but even benjamin and i who had very similar upbringings he's completely different in this aspect yeah right so it is crazy, but you know the the number one thing growing up, and I know we've talked about this, has always been us paving the way oh, with our head, Bro, the like, frontier, with our scalp, the frontier. We were the fr- we were like revenant. You, you guys give yourself too much credit, Bro, yeah. Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio and credit. Tom Hardy. We, we, don't we, we had to struggle. Dude. We struggled we did, a lot. Yeah, bro, man, the way struggled. we grew up, it was so it was a right, lot more of a struggle. struggle. Let's hear your struggle. All right, you know all right. what? Let's struggle let's, for struggle. Let's right, go. Go. let's let's Take talk let's talk about our struggles then. All right, Ali. You know what? Tell us some about the struggles, some of the ways that you paved the path for us. Then. All right. The easiest one, while we're still on the topic of video games, do you remember when mom and dad had us on uh, time restrictions for video games? Right. We were only allowed to play one hour per weekend day. I grew up with that shit, bro. I only played on weekends for about an hour. And then I go off to university and I come back and what do I see? Omar playing eight hours a day on weeknights. <laughs> when did this happen? Who paved the way? Bro, they just liked me more. That's not my fault. <laughs> I don't know about that, bro. All right. What about you? All what right. about you, Benyamin? So, um, let's say I want to hang out with my friends after school. You know where my uh, proximity line ended? Field of vision of my parents. You know what that means? That means my street, and not even my street. The field vision of the single window that my mom could look out, that was the field of vision. So when I come back and I see my brother taking his bike, going God knows where, wherever he wants, and my mom's like, that's all right. You know why, though? Can I I retort? Okay, hold on one second. Can I ask you about Navdi Baines? Do you remember Navdeep Baines? Do you remember picket signs of Navdeep Baines? Is, liberal is, signs? Isn't he our uh, Minister of uh, Science, yeah, Technology, and Innovation? Something like that. Right so now, a cabinet a, minister. A cabinet, very important, high, high position. Okay. You know what my brother used to do with his buddies? Wait, what, what would he do, Ben? They would go outside in a minivan, <laughs> and they would go... Uh, for no particular reason at all. Maybe they're hella conservative, but they would smash <laughs> sides of Navdeep Baines all over Dollybird. And you're telling me why? I, I didn't do stuff like that. I was biking to a park just to look at the birds. <laughs> well, you, you want to know why I got caught? Oh, let's let's, oh, let's add the second part of this story. Oh, shit. The reason why I got caught is I left my brother in the house. I was seven years old. He had the whole house to himself. <laughs> Somehow... Somehow, I still don't know how, my brother locked himself out of the front door, and he was pacing himself at the driveway, 
not knowing what to do. I was scared. My parents came home see see their youngest uh, son pacing in the driveway the mo- at like eight nine o'clock, <laughs> and that's when they went hunting for me. So my question is. How did you lock yourself out of the front door when you were inside? <laughs> I swear you can't even do that. Yo, what were you thinking? I locked the door through the key inside the house. <laughs> okay, so let, no, let's that, hear your struggle. Okay, my struggle is, here's, here's the biggest struggle of it all. If you mess something up, I'm expected to be the good one. So if you mess something up, then I can't make that same mistake because the expect the pressure is already there. Mm-hmm. He's already made that mistake. Oh, son, you are the you need to be the good the last you hope. You're the last, the last hope. hope. We struggle with that mm-hmm. one. That's a huge struggle. You yeah. guys, if it wasn't for your mistakes, we could have made those mistakes. Yeah, Damn. man. We can't make those mistakes anymore. Yeah, because it's like you should have learned from this. Oh, and 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 keep get, talk that shit, Omar. Bro, talk and that don't shit. Don't even get me started on us being dumb and then being smart. So oh these guys did amazing God. in school, went off and did great things and stuff, and then they look at us and they're like, "All right, so what are you gonna do now?" And we're just like, "We are dumb." I am accounting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. They become engineers. Wow, engineer. Wow, look at that. You want to do engineering too? And we're just no, like, like, bro, like. We don't understand debit, science. Debit, credit, <laughs> debit. Bro, our parents think we do tax all day, man. <laughs> so Bro, go ahead, respond to that one. Don't even talk to me about making mistakes. Oh, Made shit. those mistakes, got shat on, got literally got beat. <laughs> <laughs> the lifelong disappointment, all that stuff. And then with you guys, it's like, oh, I guess it's okay. Like, it's okay. Like, yeah, yeah sure. No to problem. add to that, you think... A 17-year-old wanted to be an engineer? You know, <laughs> when I first brought up, what do I want to be? My mom gave me two options. Doctor or doctor. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, I don't want to be a doctor. Fine. I guess I'll settle with an engineer. That was the discussion. That was it. So when I come home and I hear my brother dropping science and math in grade 11 and 12, and my parents are like, it's okay. I'm staring. You're like, I did not have that option. So when you guys are talking about <laughs> us and our careers, we didn't choose our careers. You had complete freedom to be debit credit, debit <laughs> credit. Honestly, grade 11 accounting was pretty easy. So I thought I'd just go. Bro, with that, that dropping science resonates with me so hard. <laughs> if I even dreamed of dropping dreamed. biology. Like I remember dropping grade 12 biology because I didn't want to be a doctor. And it was this huge fight in the house. My mom's like, he's not being a doctor. He's not even giving it a chance. He's not keeping grade 12 biology, this and that. I'm like, like, what is this? Like, okay, fine. I'll try my hardest and get into Waterloo engineering so I can make you happy. Our entire life has just been trying to keep our parents happy. And you guys are just going out living your own lives. Yo, it's tough, man. It's honestly yeah. accounting is actually a very difficult career, and uh, don't even. I just want. To <laughs> just <laughs> okay, these old hats yeah. kind of. Yeah, maybe there's some merit to this. Yeah, you know, back in the day, head ass. Back in the day, though, there was definitely a huge part of. Well, both of us, you know, like we're super into basketball. All of us, right? Yeah. Two thousands basketball. How was that? How was that era versus how it is now? So one of the biggest things I find was this like a few key superstars that just like owned the conversation. That was it. Like Mm. everyone wanted to be Kobe and everyone wanted to be Iverson. And then LeBron came in in the early 2000s. And that was kind of it. 
like no one was talking about like all these other players like you know like for example i'll give you you know luca luca's in his second year and he has like a hysterical following some of that can be you know social media and just how easy it is to access some of these but it was like the same way that rap and hip-hop was it was like these few players and you needed to be like resonating with them. You needed to have your Kobe jersey, your LeBron jersey, McGrady, and that's it. No one had favorite players. I was like some random dude on the Dallas Mavericks. Like no one cared about Nowitzki, all that type of stuff. So that superstar power from the 90s. of, And then also just your only access to view these stars was like ESPN Sports Center mm. or the score highlights in the morning. And then they would obviously show these players. So it just kept like reinforcing this culture. And that's why, you know, I came to believe that Kobe Bryant's the greatest player of all time. Of all time. So uh, continue, Miniam. So going, uh, I also obviously watched ball in the 2000s. Briefly remember the 90s. I remember staying up to watch, you know, Toronto versus Philly. Vince Carter missing that shot. And uh, it was staying up late, all of us watching a 20-inch screen, uh, not knowing what the ramifications are or what happens. I guess one of the big things is we had to watch the game. We didn't have these Bill Simmons characters, or if we did, we didn't have access to it. Uh, The only opinions that we had were watching the game, and it was an ugly game. Mm. There's no doubt about it. It was... It was street ball. Um, you had players, uh, the bigs, uh, they, you had the good bigs, and then you had the bigs that were bigs, and they were in the NBA just because they were big. Uh, it, there was no skill set attached to it. Uh, the game was ugly. The game was dirty. And I guess the popularity of basketball as a sport showed. In that era, it was a unique era in, in that right before that era, we saw, or those who watched, saw Michael Jordan, saw Patrick Ewing, saw um, Bird, saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, these iconic greats. And then we transitioned to, you know, the Shaqs, the Kobe's, but the stars, the, the success were the San Antonio Spurs. That was kind of fundamental basketball that we watched. Detroit Pistons winning in 2004, I believe. Not a player, I believe, scored more than 20 points. There were no stars. It was Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, uh, Tayshawn Prince. Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace. It was a bunch of... It it was a team identity. I think that's where I'm chasing. Kevin Garnett, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Kobe Bryant, Lakers. Vince Carter, uh, Raptors. You supported teams, and the players were the team, the team was the players there was not a soul i recall that could have seven favorite teams omar shout out omar shout out omar you repped the city you repped the team and players that were drafted or signed stayed with the team that's my memory the original trio tim duncan manu ginobili tony park they stayed with the team uh, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, for the most part, stayed with the team, right? It was a lot less offline team-ups. So so just to connect what both uh, you and Ali said, I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with, with music, where it was because there was a lack of access to information and lack of access to these players, like Ali said, like sports center or the game, that's all that like watching the game and maybe like sports center or something was the only time you'd learn anything about it, the score and stuff. 
But nowadays, you have access to all of these players. All these players have Twitter accounts, Instagram accounts. They have their own side ventures going on. And the NBA realized that the best way to market this is to market each player. They have player profiles. They have like all these things like the team account will release and videos and stuff where you learn about stuff like that. And it's the reason why Aaron Baines has a fan account on Twitter and all these fringe players are known by everyone else so all of a sudden you don't need to conform and support just the one team or support just the one player the attention is now being spread across everyone obviously those superstars just exist but from what i remember in when i first started watching basketball is there was a time where the league was just defined by well you have lebron and his squad with the cavs you have wade and his squad you have mellow and his squad and that's kind of when i first started watching ball and that's one of my earliest memories right and it's like these were the key players and like you said the player was the team and and if you liked mellow if you thought mellow was amazing or something you were a denver nuggets fan and that's just what it was you liked wade you were a miami heat fan and and for the people that started watching that those fandoms have stayed true to now but now it's a lot easier to learn about fringe players to learn about rookies coming in like could you imagine back in the day if unless the rookie was like LeBron James love or something no one knew anything about rookies but now just the other day we're talking about Matisse Thybul and like oh yeah you know he's a great defensive player and he's locking up LeBron no one would ever know anything about these guys back then but now we have so much more access yeah one thing I'll say I don't know Benyasin is going to jump in with a take here but uh the individual player empowerment because of that, because players have their own identity. And as a result, like to what Benyamin was saying about players being almost empowered to go to whatever team, get the best deal that they want and then have their own following. It's, it's completely different, right? That era didn't exist back in the two thousands, right? Like you couldn't be, um, you know, you couldn't be a, a third or fourth best or fifth best player on a team and demand that I need to be traded to something else, right? You couldn't be kind of a washed up Kevin Love and be looking to get out of your contract because people would be like, like, who, who are you? Who cares, right? right. Um, it was only like the top five players that were able to make those types of demands because they had that star power, which doesn't exist now. I think as entertaining as today's ball is, I feel like the new generation of or people who are watching ball now are being robbed of something that we truly had and you all experienced a little bit. That's rivalries. It was hatred towards teams. Um, For example, just imagine if Steph Curry now played for Denver Nuggets and Harden now played for uh, Philly. The the Golden State Houston matchups are now meaningless. It's more player matchups now, whereas back then, like they were cities we hated. Uh, Lakers coming to town. It's we're facing Kobe. Without Kobe, it's just another team that's coming in the regular season. Even the Boston and Lakers rivalry isn't nearly as big as it used right. to be now. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, when when AD was going, like it's not like a uh, nationally televised game for it to be like Lakers and Boston, which goes back years and years and years, right? But I wanted to ask you guys, like it was so physical, as you said, it was a very ugly game back then, right? You got people elbowing you, you got slapping your shit of malice in the palace, all that BS, right? I think for that very reason, Kobe being Bryant would average 55 points per game, and it's not even a question. If Harden got 30 points per game with a little tap on the finger, Kobe being Bryant with, with that, if he went through that and he's still able to average what? 
there's one season where he averaged like almost 40 points per game. 35.6 points per game. And who won MVP that season? Who was it? 15 points per game, 11 assists, Steve Nash. Get out so, of here. So I know we're not talking about MVP awards because if we're talking about MVP, LeBron James has been the MVP. Absolutely yep. not. Yep. From 2010 to 2019. He should have nine MVPs yep. right now. He, is, he has been the player of the decade. But don't you guys find that these constant fouls take away from the game? Isn't it much more like, oh, are you serious? Like, go to the free throw line. Like, now it's certain, like, you are you have people averaging, like, 20 free throw attempts per game. So, like, so is that not, like, going back to uh, to what it was before, where it's just let them play. Let them play. Do you guys prefer that style? Or is this new style of being technical with it and finishing so that there is contact? Is that what you guys prefer? I think uh, I would... So basketball is also not the only sport I watch. I pretty much watch all the major league sports. So I'm going to put comparisons there. I think the finesse of the game is something all sports are moving to. Um, Jumping to hockey real quick. We don't have those brute enforcers anymore that their only job is to protect the star. That's boring. You don't want to watch that player just be a bodyguard to Wayne Gretzky. You don't want to see Ty Domi be a bodyguard to Nat Sundin. Um, now this game, now this era, it's more technical, it's more finesse. You need a lot more, um, let's say finishers, a lot more ball IQ to play. Whereas in that era, it was more who's stronger, who's faster, who's, it was more raw, I'd say. And the tech, at the end, we're watching people who are just flat out better than the average or above average human. They're doing things we cannot do. Uh, so I want to watch the most technical finesse performance if I'm watching it. That's my opinion. So part, part of it also comes down to because I'm on the camp of I like the game the way it is now. Uh, player safety is a big thing. The reason a lot of these rules exist is because they don't want to incentivize the def- defending player to do something that is not illegal but that may risk injury or something like that, like we saw with Kawhi Leonard and, and things like that. And yes, they're uh, it, it, against Golden State in 2017. You're going to have people that are going to... Tr- gamesmanship is, I think, just part of the game, right? You know, like trying to draw fouls and stuff. Obviously, sometimes it feel, you f- people feel like, oh, it takes away from the game. But we got to remember, why is uh, clearing the landing zone of a shooter? Why, is that ru- why does that rule exist? That rule exists because the the face of the league was completely changed. The by Golden State could have ended up losing that series against San Antonio, right? So things like this exist for a reason, which is why I think that I'm I'm all right with that. And then and then if you just look at the numbers overall, you see like the pace, the game's played a lot quicker and stuff. So yes, in a way, people say, oh, the game's getting slowed down because of these fouls, but it's faster than it's ever been. There's more passes than there have ever been. The there's more shots from any zone that there have ever been, right? So from that perspective, like I think it's a it's a good product that's out there right now. Ali, what do you think? Let him play. Let him play. Let him play. No, I I uh, I, I see the point, and I, I as a as a fan of the sport, right? As a fan of watching the creativity around the, the rules that you're given, I do enjoy what I see right now. I think it's maybe maybe it's just irrational James Harden hate at this point. Yeah, but. 
It's it's not very irrational though. Yeah, he's it, perfected a loophole. It's, he hasn't perfected That's anything. What it is. I, he, what I, I saw hate, this, sorry, I saw this one thing on Instagram. It was the funniest thing. It's like a James Harden's uh, stat lines look like tour dates. That's exactly <laughs> it. Right? One of 17, three of 14, three of... It's all, so all funny. All this while he's having his most off, uh, efficient offensive season. And they're in, winning. In, 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 they're winning. They're winning. Because of Westbrook. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this every time that James Harden hate comes for, for free throws. James Harden would be the leading scorer in the league. If you removed free throws from the equation, if every single yeah. player was docked free throws, he would still be leading the league in yep. scoring above twenty. Yep. Yep. No, I agree with that. To me, it's just the maybe it's it's flopping or it's almost like just selling the foul, like jumping into the player as you take a jump shot. The rules are there to protect you, not for you to take advantage of them to try to get a foul out of it. But, right? Like if every jump and shot doing is doing those things can actually. Increase the chances of injury. Exactly. I think in the uh, in the uh, in a playoff series between the Rockets and the Warriors, that actually happened. Like <laughs> he wanted to draw the foul so much that he he actually landed awkwardly, and yeah. that could have been like detrimental to his career. He's very lucky that it didn't go that mm-hmm. way. But I think part of that is uh, these athletes. I mean, again, going back to they're not the average human. They're so strong. If they don't sell it. They may not get the foul, even though it's foul. I think there was a clip, uh, Denver Nuggets, um, Jokic, like, literally had a chunk of flesh, like, fall uh, through, through his fouling, and he didn't get the call. Yeah. And it's like, he's literally getting scratched and clawed, but because he's such a big force, they just don't call it. Whereas someone... Maybe like uh, Norm Powell or something gets gets gets. Uh, but I kind of just see it as like this, like a uh, this new generation of babies. And I'm taught like like back. People got scratched. Yo, they're playing with broken ribs, but they're not saying anything. They just keep playing like but, back then. But but like, what's the point of that, right? Like, there is no, in in my opinion, when it comes to professional sports, there is no honor in playing through serious injuries. Um, the Eagles recently played in in, in the playoffs and and they lost and. Um, Carson Wentz, the quarterback of the Eagles, he took a hit to the head. And it when you look at it in in, in replay and stuff, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's not even that bad." Like like the the, the clowny or whatever that that gave him that hit to the head. But he didn't return for the rest of the game. He was out because an independent concussion expert said, "You know what? It's, you can't come in from that hit to that." So a lot of fans look at that because I, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of football fans still have that mentality of you got to play through the pain and, and stuff like that. So they see that and they say, "Oh, he took a little tap on the head. Like, what's the point?" But when you think about the ramifications of potentially playing through a concussion or something, like he could die. He could have serious brain damage. So many things could go wrong. Look at Isaiah Thomas. Do we even talk about him? Does anyone care about him? Think about the tens of millions of dollars that Isaiah Thomas lost because he toughed it out and played through injury. So these players realize they have a short window. Like professional sports is perhaps the only profession that exists where you make the most money you're ever going to make when you are in the prime of your physical fitness and between 20 to 30. What other profession says between 20 to 30, that's all you're going to make. And then beyond that, it's about how well you can manage your businesses and outside ventures. I think, I think a bit of rawness is needed in a sport though. That rawness that you're talking about that was captured in the early 2000s, I think it makes the sport as well, like what it is. Otherwise, it just becomes so synthetic. I think that's the way that, that's uh, a word that I would I'm use. I'm going to jump just for this one point to counter the position I'm in with you, on, on okay. Omar. Devil's advocate, go. Which is that although... There is no point playing through injury, but legacies are made if you play through adversity. 
Uh, Kobe Bryant 2000 finals. I believe he played with a sprained or broken ankle and he dropped 38 points. Um, Chris Paul, when he had his grandfather pass away, he scored 62 points in high school. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan flu flu game. game. Infamous. He was hungover, but okay. <laughs> 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 we're, we're excited in the record straight, you know? <laughs> no slander on the goat. So so in that sense, there is legacy formation. So Kobe. I guess at the end of the day, what are players chasing? Is it legacy or is it dollars? So I, I, I agree with you there. The impact of those two free throws that Kobe hit after he ruptured his Achilles, they will live in basketball, the Hall of Fame for, forever. And everyone will remember that. My only thing is when it comes when it comes to decisions about fouls and how the game's called and these broad stroke decisions, we should probably make the decisions not for the Kobe's of the league, but for the fringe players that are that are really just trying to make a living and things like that. And and the vast majority, like 80% of the league, 90% of the league, these guys, if they play through injury, no one's really going to care if a bench player has like a broken rib. And they're like, oh, true. Why'd you play? Like, what's the point? And they're like, oh, I'm trying to build a legacy. It's like, no one really knows. No one cares. I guess the superstars, yes. I agree that if they had a certain degree of toughness, then that would only elevate them in the status of a lot of fans and things like that. If LeBron somehow was able to play through his cramps in 2011 or something like that, the the narrative about him would be so different. But for the vast majority of players, playing through injury doesn't really mean anything. You just end up out of the league in a year or two. So for me, and this is just my competitive nature as well, professional sports is the epitome of competitiveness you don't make it to that level 60 players drafted every year they're all every single one of those players in the nba are extreme competitors extreme competitors right so then why are we making excuses for them not to continue competing at the highest level that's what i want i know i know in a long-term sense right and and this is going to transition into that load management perspective you want to compete over time but on a challenge to challenge basis right and I, I know this is your favorite, favorite term in the whole world. I'm going to drop it. The mama mentality. The mama mentality. Yeah, you need that mama, killer instinct. Need, oh, my this God. Is, look, there's something to it, right? When I own you guys on the basketball court on a day-to-day basis, it's because I want to well, kill you guys. Well, That's we what can, it is. We can right? talk about that later. Right? But. Like, there's no mercy. I don't care if you're five years younger than me. I'm going to come on there and I'm going to destroy you guys because that's what it is. Every <laughs> possession. And that competitiveness is what drives, like... This feel of like, okay, yes, if this is something that I can play through, I will play through this because I'm going to get this one meaningless regular season win, but that's going to add up over time. And this is going to be something that's just part of your internal drive. And that's when you get so connected with the team. As weird as this might sound, like this this player that I love so much is willing to play through that. I will do anything for this team. This singular team, like hockey, for example, you know this. They play through countless rib injuries. Injuries is, is expected, like you're expected to play through it. And it's not the smartest thing. But then you hear about it after, like, oh my God, like um they gave it their Sydney all. Cross, like he gave it his all. Then and that's, like, what, that's what creates this like bond. connection and it's and this mm-hmm. bond with this team. I agree. That it's really like you can't you can't really describe they, it otherwise. There was a sick Allen Iverson in 2000, 2001 averaged what was it? 43 minutes a game or something mm-hmm. something absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous the smallest guard just putting all hard out there and to this day i've i haven't seen a player like that um that does that there there's there's benefits to that competitive nature i agree load management is some unacceptable BS. it's unacceptable load management some BS. you have the greatest technology you have people 
planning your nutrition to your sleep schedules, optimizing everything. Teams are, the game's never been as popular or, or uh, profit-wise. And then you got players not playing every game. As a fan's perspective, I get it. Both both you and Benjamin have said it brings you closer to the team. But you got to remember, the team's always going to do what's in its best interest. A lot of Celtics fans got so close to that Celtics team because of what IT did. And then they shipped him out for uh, Kyrie Irving. And he lost his money. He lost tens of millions of dollars. Celtics fans still love the team. They're super close to the team. But the person that helped solidify that bond, he's making 10% of what he could have been making. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, the team will always do what it's, what's in its best interest. And I, I, I know exactly the moment that it flipped for me because the, the historic 73-9 and nine Warriors... That was just, it was insane, oh, right? Don't get me Greatest started on year. that. It was insane. It was and, and I, was like, was suspended. I was like, man, I want these Warriors to go down in history as the greatest team ever. And then I think it was Ben that actually like said this in one in our group chat. He's like, look at what LeBron has done, right? And where he's come from and what he's been able to accomplish all the way. And he is this one man taking on the Golden State Warriors. Yes. David versus and, Goliath. And, and the whole narrative of how I viewed LeBron changed. In he that delivered moment. on his promise. <laughs> yep. He came home and ended a championship drought in that city for five decades or Again, something like that. Again, probably the greatest, greatest team of all time. Of, of, all, of time. all time. And people are going to talk <sighs> about, oh, the shot. People are going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. But his... What he averaged in that series, that block is the greatest defensive play in NBA history. The, the and, most clutch, clutch play yeah. in, 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 in NBA history. And I will say to this day, if LeBron James completed that dunk over Draymond Green in, in, in the final seconds of that game, that would be the greatest moment in NBA history. Over the defensive player of the year on a 73-9 team to ice the game with a dunk Perfect posterization. That would be the greatest moment in NBA history. Le- LeBron, that yeah, that yeah. season, uh, that finals, I think, is one of the only finals I can watch on repeat and still be on. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. still surprised how he did it. Yeah. He did it's, it. It's insane. And then, so now I'm like at this point where I'm like, this, this man is possibly going to go down as the greatest player of all time. So why not root for him to get there? Like what? Yeah. What would do? What would I get out of hating him? Why would I not want him to win one more championship, cement his legacy, right. and truly be the Michael? Because I never got to see Michael Jordan. I was too young to watch yeah. him and see his greatness. So I only have the mixtapes and the yeah. gambling stories to go off of. <laughs> so now it's just Accusations. you know LeBron, right? So why not make him the greatest of my generation? What am I gonna get out of putting him down? All jokes aside, Michael Jordan did recently come out with something, and uh, I think they asked him about that question, like who is the greatest player of all time, and his answer was just that. Well, he said something about different eras. Yeah. Right. So LeBron James, you know, arguably would be the greatest player of this era. And that's why it's so difficult to get right. in this cold conversation because we can have this conversation for hours, even days, just talking about Michael Jordan's better. Or no, LeBron James is better because of this, because of that. But it really does come down to this era, he dominated. This era, he dominated. Yeah. Exactly. Michael Jordan blocked Charles Barkley from getting a ring. There were so many... Hall of Famers that Michael Jordan just said, nah, 
I'm gonna win. That's fair. Yeah, but, were, I, but but again, it's that that's his era, and that's right. what Michael Jordan was pretty much coming back uh, down yeah. to. But in in that sense, you also have to look at LeBron James' personal life, what he's done for the city of Akron, what what he's done. No, no, did I? His that, personal sure. life. There's no gambling stories. There's no affair stories. Oh, for sure, uh, LeBron James, the the person, is unbelievable. He's remarkable. As a role model. He you is can't a, yeah. look past LeBron no, James. No, yeah. Yeah. The greatest of all time is more than just your uh, contribution to the sport. It's your contribution to your surroundings. And LeBron James, you can't beat his story. Uh, mm-hmm. Best role yeah. model for the NBA. And, and, and it's crazy how far we've come because there are literally commercials of Charles Barkley saying, but I'm not a role model. Look to your parents. I'm not a role model. And it's like, that was what the end to, to bring it back to what we, what we first started talking about. It was a dirty game. It was a game that was not well marketed. It was a game about s- strength and toughness and, and, and there was no brotherhood and there. So and, many players were and, on and, drugs and everything. Yeah. It was just this rampant, like it, you know, I mean, it just recently came up in uh, who was the coach that called his players thugs. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Slugs. Exactly. Bellion or Bellion. Yeah. Forget pronounce so his name. Yeah. That's what it was. And I mean, it was, it was a throwback to that era in society as well, where unfortunately, you know, African-Americans were viewed in that lens. But that's how the players were. They weren't role models. And LeBron and, you know, Michael Jordan was this someone that grew the game globally just because of his impact. And that's why in that conversation for GOAT, aside from his own personal life and his struggles. Yeah. He's in that influence bubble for sure. This and then you have LeBron, right? And then Kobe's kind of there in the middle because Kobe, you know, like North American kids and especially in China, he's super popular, but he didn't have that type of impact that LeBron is still having to this day. Yeah, I think it, this is a very interesting conversation because we kind of talked about the past in the 2000s and the 2010s. But the next question that I wanted to ask you guys is about the future. Yeah, because... Yeah, uh, you know, like there's a lot going on with a bunch of rookies, a bunch of exciting rookies. So let's talk about that yeah, for just a little let's, bit. Let's turn to the future then. So let's talk about the future of the NBA, because clearly there's a lot of um, super exciting rookies that are in right now and a lot of fun, flair, uh, a lot of fun players to watch. So I don't know if you guys watched Zion Williamson's debut. Um, he had a very, very... You know, not the greatest first half, but that fourth quarter, he came out guns blazing, right? Four threes, he went four or four. He had a monster block in the most recent one as well. He's really showcasing his athleticism and that debut game. Not to say that he's going to be a shooter, but if he can be like a 35% career shooter, that's impressive. Uh, He's 285 pounds, 6'6", or I think around then uh, around there he does he does seem like a charles barkley type of rebounder the way that he uh, grabs those boards um what are you guys thoughts on him do you guys think that he can take you know we're talking about passing the torch do you think that he can take this torch from lebron and be the new face of the nba hell no 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 way no 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 (laughs) yeah this conversation's over (laughs) no (laughs) well why though like continue i got a couple things right one is just his inability to mold into a professional athlete right now. Like who comes in at 300 pounds, <laughs> has six months to drop weight and can't do it. Comes somehow even fatter. Right? I know someone. His name is uh, Andrew Bynum. <laughs> Zion, I'm just old head take right now. Bust. Oh my God. Uh, I, I like support Ali on this. You Bust. guys are disgusting. I think Zion is the perfect six man off the bench. He can his body can only handle fifteen to twenty minutes a game. I I'm going to I'm going to partially agree with these guys. 
Benjamin was just on it right there. I think he's going to be a great player, but I've said it before, he will have a short peak. He will have a short peak. We're talking about load management and bodies not being able to handle it, all that stuff. That man's body will not be able to handle this. He is very talented and in short bursts, whether it's throughout the game, he just keeps getting minutes and they don't let him play all that much. But one, teams will start game planning because that's one thing we've got to remember. NBA teams come up with plans. They come up with defensive schemes. And then you throw a player in there in the middle of the season, all of a sudden they need to adjust. There will be a serious regression that happens with Zion in the next 20 games or something like that when teams realize, okay, this is when he comes in, this is when he comes out. Because right now his minutes are so sporadic, teams don't even know. They don't even know, oh, at the six-minute mark they're going to do this rotation and he's going to come in or he's going to go out. They can't plan any of this stuff. So when there's some structure, they'll start game planning for them. There'll be some regression. And overall in his career, it'll be a short Okay, but let me ask you guys this then. Like, we're talking about game planning. How do you game plan against someone? He realistically needs to lose at least 15 to 20 pounds. He can't be 285 at 6'6 and still running around like that. That's just not going to happen. If he can lose 15 pounds, I th- even even without, but anyways, that's a whole other conversation. Right. If he's able to shoot, if he's able to dunk, if he's able to drive, how, we're talking about game planning. How do you game plan against that? You. The Spurs gave him space and he shot it. He make use of it. If he can shoot at that clip, you have to respect the shot. What are you going to do then? You out-endurance him. Yeah. You tire him out. That's it. Tire short stamina. Short throw, him a, throw him a double team every single time. Like, we think NBA basketball is hard. When, when we play pickup basketball, we get tired when we're playing man-to-man, one-on-one defense. Could you imagine getting double teamed every single time you get the ball? It is exhausting. And, like, players like Joel Embiid, who are, who are a lot larger and already have some stamina concerns and stuff like that, that's one thing they complain about all the time. It's so difficult, especially as a big person, to have to navigate through two defenders now every time you have the ball. But the thing is with Zion is, in college, he wasn't a shooter. Right. So the reason why I brought that up was because in in the most recent interview, he talked about that. He's like, I got this. Obviously, I'm not expecting him to be a shooter. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But he took the chance when he was off. He took that opportunity to work on his game. And the first thing that he improved was his shot. He wanted to make sure that he was comfortable with shooting. What does that say about that player? He's willing to adapt to the game and make changes. So if you think as a competitor, we talked about this. Every single one of those guys are competitors. If you think endurance is going to be the thing that stops him, I don't think that's very convincing. I think he's going to go above and beyond to make sure that he's able to adapt to the pace and how fast the NBA is. But then is he still the same Zion that we're expecting? If he loses... We're using a lot of ifs with him, which naturally we're projecting futures. He's only played if two he, games. Like if he loses gotta... the 15, 20, 25, whatever pounds, is he, is he that same force? Well, that's why it's yeah. only 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's really not that much in terms it's, of muscle mass. It, you're, not, you're, gonna still, you're still going to be the same kind of player. It, it comes back to Charles Barkley famously. Uh, he's told the story a few times in, I guess it's the most apt comparison. He was really fat when he got yep, into the yep. league. And I'm forgetting who his mentor Malone, was. Malone. Uh, okay. And he told him, and he's like, yeah, lose 10 pounds. Come back. Yep. He'd lose 10 pounds. And then all of a sudden, he starts getting more minutes. Coach starts playing him more. He can last on the court. Then he's like, lose 10 more pounds. Lose 10 more pounds. They keep doing this. It gets to a point where he loses 10 pounds, and he comes back, and he's like, he's like, man, I'm so winded out there. Like, I'm weak. Everyone's pushing me around. He's like, all right, now we know what your good weight is. Go back up, gain 10 more pounds. And that's your actual weight, right? So with Zion, it's like everybody's body's different. And and maybe he loses the 10 pounds and it's on a curve of progression. He takes this, a step up. But what if it's like diminishing returns? And it's like, oh no, he, he regressed. His strength, his force that made him unguardable all of a sudden is gone too when he loses 10, 15 pounds. I see a Charles Barkley story 
with Zion right now. Okay. I think I can see the uh, he loses a certain amount of weight and gains a certain amount of muscle. And at that point, he's going to be like, okay, this is what you're supposed to be at. And he's going to absolutely dominate this league. So your initial question was, can he eclipse LeBron and can he become the LeBron of the league? Ali, let me ask you this. If a player needs to be coddled and managed and taught how to walk and and protected <laughs> taught how to walk. protected throughout the regular season <laughs> this this thing about load management and zion will exist always can a player like that gather the attention the love and the adoration of fans all around the world the same way lebron was able to do no i don't think so because lebron brought it on himself multiple decade plus of 82 game seasons yeah. right so he earned it right yeah he he did it through his own doing, right? LeBron was a pioneer in this whole art of taking care of your body. LeBron bought this like millions of dollars of equipment and nutrition and all this stuff. He did it himself. And then the rest of the league kind of caught up because they're like, damn, this dude is just like playing every game, playing till the finals every year, playing in the summer Olympics, winning gold medals, and he keeps going, right? Zion can't even walk. So it's like, <laughs> come on, man. I, I, I maybe I'm unfairly hating this, but frankly, just to come in with a hot old head take, I don't think Zion's gonna get there, right? He needs to sort of show me, right? Walk before you run, literally in his case, walk before you run, and let's see. But what those last two games didn't show you anything. It I, showed you nothing. For me, it just showed the the glimpse of athleticism that he already had, right? And the the shooting, yes, and I, I, frankly, I don't know if that's a freak accident, right? But kudos to him for beating Ben Simmons' career record already, <laughs> right? In just ninety seconds, <sighs> but. But um, it's just I love that. I don't know. Maybe you got to see more. Right. But my initial take is the expectations of him to be the next, you know, heir to the throne. I don't think it's ever going to be there. Right. I frankly see guys like Luca, Giannis and Trey Young, frankly, being those types of guys that are like the next Steph, the next LeBron and Giannis, um, who's frankly kind of already there. Right. And, uh, and and Luca being just this force that we've kind of never seen before. Luca's exciting, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, and I know right now, like everyone loves Luca. Like it's hard to find someone who who hates on him, right? It's just the people that kind of hate on his comparisons of being that great already. But I don't know. Uh, my my take: Zion's a bust. Hmm. Agreed. Short peak. So, who's what's and there another an, another rookie that's really interesting to me personally, and I really really like this guy because he reminds me of my favorite player. Is a John Moran. Oh yeah. Um, yeah what do you guys think about him? John is awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, it's this very competitive guy too. He talks. He talks his shit. Yeah. To Harden. Yeah. You know, like I think uh, recent one came out. Like I that. think I think um, witnessing the LeBron hype, him entering and fulfilling that face of the NBA. These players are a a one a one b one c type talent. To be the face of the NBA, you have to be more than that. I'm mm-hmm. sure Jao will be fantastic, but it's almost like to be the face of the NBA, you need to get to the NBA and from day one. Luca fits the bill for me on that front. You, you know, Luca had all this hype, but he also had doubters coming in. And he came into the league and he lived up right to it. He's in his second year and he's, a, he's an MVP candidate. Not to go back to Zion, but quick circle back. You asked, would Zion ever be able to eclipse it? I think Zion lost his chance. Zion lost was first overall. If he came in game one and was dominating right off the high, yep. right off the bat, there were no concerns about all this stuff. All the stuff about his his health, his fitness and stuff like that. He was playing 30, 35 minutes a game right from day one. 
that's the first step he needed to take. He has already missed that train, in my opinion, because what who, who he's going to be managed for the rest of the season. He's going to come back, and it's like it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. The face no. of the NBA is learning how to walk. Yeah. That's unacceptable headline. He's yeah. learning how to walk yeah. at the end of the day. I think this is just a minor headline for uh, many, many dominating performances to come and the whole thing about like these these things are just gonna be completely irrelevant that's and, just, that's and, and the side that be. i'm taking it could be as a, as a fan of the sport i'd love to see that i'd love to see the era where trey being the next staff goes up against zion being the next you know lebron Giannis, yeah, freak i do nature, see a right? barkley in him i right? definitely see barkley in him. i'd love to see that right but but frankly i don't know this year's rookie of the year you know who it is Right, it has to. Be. We all know. Who we it all is. know. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, back to back to back rookie uh, of the year. Ben Simmons, five time rookie of the year, <laughs> so zero time champion. Speaking of leaving a sour taste in your mouth after skipping a season and being coddled, um, <laughs> that's Philly. Philly would have loved so, Zion. So guys, guys, I actually have a interesting uh, hypothetical I on Ben Simmons. On you ben stay Simmons. right there, Omar. So my brother and I were talking uh, as we were watching last couple of. Oh, uh, we were we had wings, right? Yeah. And that's when the discussion started. We're watching the Philly-Toronto game. Yeah, yeah. And this debate came into question. I want to hear your opinion. Okay. Who would you want to start a franchise with? Okay. Ben Simmons or Draymond Green. Draymond Green. And here, here oh. is... It's not really a debate. It, it it's really actually isn't. really not it's a debate. It's super obvious. Because here is what I'm comparing against. All right. Two-time defensive player of the year? Defensive player of the year, baby. Part of a, a what, four and five years championship? Yeah. Four you, rings? Four rings already. Uh, first NBA, multiple all-star selections, yada, yada, yada. Off position, assist, not so afraid to shoot. Playmaker. Defensive, like, Juggernaut, genius. yeah. Juggernaut. He made the, the team, the Golden State, he, he was their defensive identity. That was him. And then the X factor, people like playing with him. He brought in superstars. He brought in. Can I ask you a question? When um, Draymond Green was in the parking lot, who was he talking to again? Kevin Durant. And where, where did Kevin Durant come again? Golden State. Whereas in the inverse, I see a point guard uh-huh. who doesn't shoot. Mm-hmm. Remember, he's three a power, and D he's player. A, power forward. a three and D player without the three, nope. without the shot. So he's. Uh, just a defensive player. Tony Allen, kind of? Uh, his own coach does can't even explain why he doesn't shoot. Uh-huh. L- chemistry, locker room issues. No accolades, no real accolades, no real success. This boy, Draymond Green, shoots like he has a backpack oh, on, yeah. and he's still shooting much and more than best of he, And he's a leader. He he's talks the smack, and people rally around him. If I was to start a franchise... Draymond Green. Draymond Green, baby, Draymond and it's not Green. even a debate. You guys, I can't, I can't you guys are talking. Side. You guys are talking about. Oh my god! I'm, I'm, this was my New Year's really resolution. I brought in my, facts. My, my New I Year's brought in my, facts. Okay, the facts are: you are comparing a guy who is at the tail end of his career, <laughs> who's completely useless without Steph Curry and Klay Thompson around him. Who apparently that team, in the tail end of his career, in the Let's, tail end okay. of his career, that team should have two All Stars, and they're one of the worst teams in the league. So he's absolute garbage, non-factor in the regular season. Triple, double. His his defensive Machine. prowess was reduced to kicking people in the nuts, and whatever, that's why he got suspended. And and you're comparing this guy who's established, who significantly outperformed his draft stock, who came in from Michigan State to to what he is oh, now, yeah. MVP and, and, and of college ball. And and 
did so well and you're comparing that guy whose story is already written who will go into the hall of fame to a guy who's just starting his career who has not accomplished anything if we were to talk about draymond green in his second or third year and we were to talk about like what has this guy really done like he came in from michigan state but like what has he really done like can we can we even play can we play him at the five like you can't talk about any of the stuff because he hasn't done any of it yet. Ben Simmons is one of the best defensive players in the league right now. He is a defensive player of the System year candidate. Player. Defensive player of the year candidate right now. That offense is Candidates. so efficient when he runs when he runs the offense right now. He held LeBron. How can it be efficient? You don't have to worry about him shooting. You it's already efficient know he's because passing. he just gotta finish at the. He's, he's just gotta. It's it's efficient because the stats say it's he's efficient. Raymond Sessions. That's the it. Raymond Sessions. It's That's efficient it. because the stats say the that offense is efficient. The way he runs that offense, the way he can get such. You know, he is he is either first or second in the league in made baskets off of his assists. I think LeBron is first and he is second. Let in me the tell league you guys. Right let now. me tell you guys something Most funny. Most points created. Let me tell so you guys that is what creates something efficient. Let me tell you guys something funny, man. I remember. Just the game that we watched this last night, right? The Lakers and Philly, they were playing, right? And Ben Simmons was going for the uh, for a layup. A very, very easy shot. Like, layup, you can just... Layup, I can do Anyways, that. Whatever. You can do that. Um, and he got fouled as he, he got his layup. And he got pissed off. And I remember thinking, son, if it's an and one and you get a free throw, you think you're going to make that? <laughs> so he, That's three points. He, he That's gets literally the, he, not possible. So he gets the free throw. He gets the free throw. And guess what happens right after that? He misses that shit. Oh, of course. It's natural. <laughs> a point guard that can't shoot free throws? That can't shoot three? 40% He's not a point guard. Clip? He's not a point guard. 40% from the clip? He's so not, not here's, here's my question. If Ben Simmons has a career like Draymond Green. Draymond. Draymond Green. <laughs> that would be amazing, right? Absolutely. So if I was to start a franchise, I'm going to go with Draymond Green. Draymond Green, baby. He's He's the he's the better. Ben Simmons player. cannot coexist with Joel Embiid. It's not that is happen. a damn lie. That is that is not how that is some Brian Windhorse bullshit from someone who doesn't watch a single game. I swear to God, that is some ESPN. We need to fill in the gaps right now. That is we don't watch any of these games, but we need national opinions. There is no way national NBA writers can watch all of these games and come up with opinions. There has not been a single single credible source of information between Ben Simmons you, you know and Joel Embiid not coexisting. Jimmy Butler. Well, Butler will drop the facts. Oh, you for, we forgot to mention that. We forgot left. to mention that. The most competitive win type player he left, left this organization. He's like, no, no, sir. No, sir. He, I, can't, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with that because Ben Simmons isn't trying to shoot. Oh, you're talking about not trying to shoot. Well, if you actually watched Philadelphia games last year, you know there was a two-month period where Jimmy Butler didn't take a single goddamn shot from three. So you're talking about not shooting. Jimmy Butler, this here's ultra competitor, refused to shoot from here's, three. Here's, here's the deal, Omar. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid just cannot coexist. That is a there is no there is that, no truth there, to that. There is no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Ben Simmons next year, if they don't win, which they're not gonna win, they're not gonna win. He's getting traded for cash considerations. All right, y'all trolling, so let's wrap this up then. Uh, thank you for listening to my therapy session. Um, well, <laughs> no, now I gotta go to actual therapy after listening to these garbage ass takes from wait, you wait, guys. I, I just have one question: If if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are on the same team, who's scoring? <laughs> <laughs> Joe zero and eleven Embiid. Hey, y'all remember Ben Simmons? Hey. That, y'all remember Ben Simmons on a one point playoff performance? I remember that. Uh, oh. Only to be topped by Joel Embiid and the zero point performance. Remember Marcus all daddying him every single time they play. 
Philly, Marcus all the 37 year old Spaniard. Mark my words, Philly's not winning anything with these players. They're not franchise players. They're not the future of the NBA either. Let's wrap this up. Oh Let's wrap this up. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the session on the basketball podcast. I'm your co host, Ben, and I'm joined by my very disgruntled co host. Yeah, you know, if you guys made it this far, I pray to God you didn't. Uh, so you didn't have to listen to that. You know what? I might just cut. I might just delete the episode. And I, you know, I might just delete the episode on unreleased tapes. You know, if, if I, but but if if you made it this far, you know, go to go to Apple Podcasts and give me some uh, words of support. I really need them. So leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes a few seconds, but it means the world to me. It means that I stay sane. And go and check us out on. Uh, at the session ball on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we'll post a picture of all of us up there. And then uh, like, please, please. I need some support guys. Leave five stars. Um, we're going to be going back to more consistent uploads as well. Of course, um, weekly episodes. So next week, expect another one. But in the meantime, rate five stars and leave comment and we will see you on the next episode. For sure. And special thank you to our older brothers, Ali and Binyamin for making the time come out to the podcast after all this slander. This was one of our best episodes, so I'm glad they made yep. it out here. I'm I'm so angry that, that that this is how it ended up happening, but but I'll, but you know what? I'll take care of y'all later. No, this was this was great, guys. Thanks for having us. It was a long time in the making, and uh, hope to continue. You know, in, in future episodes, right? You know, mm-hmm. we got a we got a whole segment lined up with old head takes. I know we're gonna we, get to it this time. We had a full list of so many things to talk about, but we only have like an hour and fifteen or hour. So of all of everything on that list, y'all really chose that Ben Simmons topic on that. Yeah, that y'all really. I was so glad you brought that up, man. I'm so oh glad my! Thanks, God. guys, for having us. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be back in the future. Episode. Of course, of course. All so, right, uh, it was real fun. Cheers, for sure. All right, everyone from the session. Cheers. <laughs>